Hi, my name is Jason Barcham. I'm an associate partner with Servian New Zealand. Welcome to the Technology Whisperers, a technology and innovation podcast brought to you by Servian with your hosts Alistair Ross and Sean Muller. Join us as we demystify the latest emerging innovative technologies for businesses of all shapes and sizes, sharing our thoughts on how you can improve your current technologies, practices and processes to transform your business. Welcome to a very special pre-edition of the Technology Whispers. Today, I will be bringing to you a recording from the COVID Pass event that Servian held, brought to you by Roger Ford and Martin Arndt, to talk through how businesses can implement an API very quickly and easily to take advantage of the COVID Pass capability going forward. This is a pre-release of the podcast before episode number one of Technology Whisperers comes out. And if you like this content, come back and check with us in January and listen to Alistair Ross and myself, Sean Muller, as we talk about and try and demystify the technologies in today's world driving business outcomes. Thank you very much. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for today's session. We've got about half an hour where we're going to look into the COVID pass, the COVID vaccine pass that's being introduced in New Zealand. My name is Roger Ford. I am the Director for Business Transformation at Servian. And today I have Martin Art, who is, uh, he's an Associate Partner for Servian and also our Director of Technology. And he's going to do the, the technical, uh, the technical deep dive stuff. We're also delighted to have Sean Muller here. He's going to be facilitating our Q&A session and he's our principal consultant looking at AI and machine learning. Looking at the agenda, if we can just fire up the presentation, we're going to just do a quick setting of the scene, which will look at the, the situation that we're in and how the COVID pass has come about and what, what, what it's going to address for us. And then we'll get into a bit more of a technical demo, which Martin will take us through and an overview, and then we'll finish up with a Q&A at the end. So if we can go into the first one, which is looking at the transition phase, this is just taking a big step back and looking at the COVID outbreak is that uh, this is the, the model of a pandemic that the World Health Organization has developed. And what it does is it shows you the various phases New Zealand was a little bit unique in that we're in this alert phase at the moment and we really avoided the peak of the pandemic phase. So we're going straight from this alert phase into the transition phase. And so as a result, this is where we're switching into things like the, the traffic light systems to, to manage more business as usual type living and away from stepping through different alert levels. You'll see across the bottom, there's different types of risk management that are put in place. And why I thought this was a really useful slide is that the Ministry of Health has established the COVID vaccine pass as part of its response to COVID-19. They have not described it as part of the recovery. This is really important because the pass itself is likely to have a fairly limited life and will need to evolve as we go forward. An important part of that is, for example, once we start opening up to international travel uh, and wanting to take this pass and use it overseas, we'll need to adopt a different approach. So it's more of a health credentials kind of 
requirements to to facilitate that kind of travel and activity. We'll also start to get in situations where a single pass will not serve all the different purposes that we might need once we get back to business as usual. So that's kind of where we are at the moment. We're in this transition phase. The COVID pass is the first thing we're introducing. And so while it's a useful thing to get us through this point, everybody should just be aware that there is more to come. There's going to be a lot of change to follow on with a lot of change that we've already been experiencing. So th this is not the only aspect that we have to look at too. There's also been quite a change in terms of the systems uh, that are used to manage this. Traditionally, a lot of these systems would have been uh, built around the concept of a source of truth. There is a centralized repository that's keeping track of all of our vaccinations and testing results and things like that. And you would verify that the information that you are presenting is correct by going back to that source of truth. Globally, what's happened in the last probably three to four years is the evolution of these identity-based systems. And why this works is a little bit different in that instead of trusting a source of truth, we're actually looking to trust an identity. So the Ministry of Health can have an identity that a business can trust. So when they digitally sign a credential and pass it to a citizen, that citizen can then present that credential that has been signed by the Ministry of Health and a business or a public service can trust that signature and they don't need to have a mechanism for networking back to a source of truth. This, this opens up all sorts of possibilities for us to have these completely decoupled systems. Uh, it's the foundation for a lot of the travel. This is the basis that is being used in Europe, for example, for enabling travel throughout all of that region. So this is, this is the technology or the architecture that's being adopted to enable my COVID pass. It's also the technology that is most likely to be used for establishing health credentials or health certifications that you use for traveling and that travelers are going to be using when they come to New Zealand. So this architecture is really important. So while the past might not have a long life in its current form and may need to evolve as our circumstances change, the architecture and the way we're designing these systems will be valuable in this, this new way of working that we're going to find ourselves. So that's a little bit about the, the pass, where it's situated, the architecture that's governing it and how it fits in with some of the global stuff that's happening. And now it's worthwhile having a little bit quick dive into the technology overview about uh, the pass itself and how it's actually being implemented. And with that, I'm gonna hand over to Martin. Okay, thanks Roger. Hello everyone. So I'm just gonna go into a um, little just a brief view on you know how the whole system hangs together then i'll deep dive down into the actual covid pass and i so i suppose we need to say right at the start as well that we are not representing ministry of health here all we're doing is representing servian and we've been working you know uh, it's sort of across anz and healthcare for a number of years but we're not representing mb or ministry of health what we're doing is we're giving you our insight into the public specifications that uh, the ministry of health have put out there and we're giving you kind of a, an insight into the to pass and how we think you could uh, look to integrate and how you could look to change uh, the customer experience from the standard way that you know the, the government is perceiving it to work. So if we look here, this uh, slide is a little bit contentious. You know, this is the one for the pass issuance, and you can see on the left-hand side here, this is where we're all trying to get our digital pass issued on the My COVID Record site. 
there was a couple of issues yesterday. The site appeared to be, you know, up and down, maybe down more than up. But, you know, eventually everybody will be able to log in, validate themselves and then request a digital pass. I don't know whether all of you have managed to do so yet, but uh, it, once you're logged in, then it's actually quite a quick process. It takes sort of 10 to 12 seconds to get yourself a digital pass issued. You can get it sent to you in a hard copy or you can get it as you know, a PDF or a downloadable format you can store in your phone wallet. So I've got it here uh, on my phone uh, and I'm gonna use it a little bit later for a demonstration of one way that you could look to verify the, the pass and integrate with the pass. But basically, you know, the pass is a QR code. It is a QR code where the, the ministry, as Roger is explaining, has digitally signed it. So you can verify <clears throat> that this pass has come from them. And then you get very little, little tiny bit of information about the person who's holding the pass. All you know is that they have a valid pass and their name and their date of birth. And that's the only details that will be exposed, you know, through the actual pass itself. Should we go to the next slide, please, Sean? And in a, in a, in a week or two, the, the government is going to uh, make a freely downloadable app available to everybody, to every business. So if we do no uh, integration, if we just do what's being given to us, we will have a, an app that we can have on our phone. And then when we have customers or we have clients turning up at our site, the way that we verify them is that we ask them to present their QR code. We'll scan it. And then the, the verify app will tell us, yes, this is Martin. His date of birth is 22nd of the 2nd, 1972. Yep, an old man. And then what you have to also do is you have to verify that uh, against a form of ID. So you have to ask me to present another form of ID and you have to make sure that the ID matches the QR code. So as a business, the onus is on you and us, you know, to actually you know, verify it's the right person and they have a valid pass and the Verify app will help you to do that. If we go to the next slide, please. The Ministry of Health has published their specifications. They have told us how we can verify the pass if we want to do so ourselves. These are the steps that they ask us to, to follow, to mandate, oh, sorry, to, to check the pass. And within the pass, there is a CWT or COT, I suppose we could call it. Uh, and this is you know, a compressed binary. You know, so they're trying to put a lot of information into the QR code and a lot of it uh, stems, you know, or, or is held, or a lot of the magic is held in a digital signature. That's where they've signed it with a pub with their private key, and then we will need their public key to be able to decipher it. And then we need to check the fields like the expiry date. The expiry date of the of the digital pass is important because initially they're only going to be six months. We're not going to have longer than that because the rules for having a digital pass are going to change. Now I'm not, you know. I can't tell you what those rules are going to be, but I believe it's going to be things like potentially, you know, testing. Have you been tested or potential boosters and things like that? So the actual pass and why and how you get it uh, verified or how what is in there, what you're being validated for is going to change over time, like Roger was explaining. But there are fields in there which are important. But the, what I want to highlight again is that the only bit of information it has about me is my name and date of birth. There's no NHI number. There's no unique identifier, and there's nothing else about me in there other than my name and date of birth. If we go on to the next slide, please, Sean. So this is, once you've broken down the, con, you know, the concise or compressed binary object, you get into uh, an actual jot, 
And you know, at the top we have the uh, the algorithm that was used to decrypt to encrypt it, and then we have the signature at the bottom that we use to verify it's a Ministry of Health. Now that's the only bit of information that we have there that I've extracted over on the right hand side. That's all we get. Then it's up to us to validate that against uh, another form of ID, you know, like a driving license. What we can say is that the ministry has gone to some effort to uh, validate that it is me. To actually get this, I've had to uh, give them my driving license ID, and there has been some matching with my NHI number. So there has been some matching and validation of who I am by the Ministry of Health, and I'm trusting as a business that they've done that for me and that it is Martin standing before me. Right. Uh, what we, what I'd like to demo, if you go onto the next slide, please, Sean, is I'm gonna we're gonna we built a little app. It's a little single page app. And it's one where this is a bit of code, a little JavaScript that runs just in the browser and it will scan the QR code, my QR code, and it will decode that, that uh, QR code and it will verify that the signature is right and it will pull out my name, my date of birth and the, uh, the expiry date from it. Of course, all going well with the live demo. Right, uh, Sean, if you'd like to let go, I'll, I'll present my screen. I've got the app here running it's actually running up on in AWS in CloudFront. So I've just pointed my browser at that CloudFront address and I've just picked it up. So you should hopefully be able to see that little app coming up. So all it's done, it's taken my the webcam from my laptop. So if you can imagine a scenario whereby this might be in a, a member website where I've already logged in with my member username and login. And then now, you know, the company is asking me to validate my uh, digital pass. So I get my digital pass that I've got on my phone. I hold it up to the camera and the COVID pass is valid, thankfully. So I've got a, a COVID pass. And what we've now got here in the middle is breaking down what actually we've done with the COVID pass. So this, first of all, is the actual QR code. And then when we decode that, it's not. That part is not encrypted, but it's decoded with base uh, 32. We just decode that, and then we get into the CWT, we validate the signature, and then in the payload, there is the information. There's there's me, there's my name, and there's my date of birth. There are some fields obviously that we care about, which is the expiry field, which shows when this pass will actually you know expire, and we have to check that as well. But that's it. That's it. The app, in a nutshell, what it's doing is it's doing the verification in a completely decoupled manner. It's completely offline. We've downloaded the Ministry of Health public cert into, into this app. We are doing everything in the browser. So there is no reliance on any API. I'm not trying to be funny, but, you know, so like with my COVID record where, the, you know, they're linked to a, a single digital identity system where you have to log in to get it. This is not. I just have to verify, I can verify in a completely offline and decoupled mode. Actually, Martin, would you mind just scrolling down a little bit where we look at the credentials? There's course, just one point I wanted to, to make. Which, which field do you uh, want? Just, uh, so we're just, just looking down here where it says version and then type. What I just wanted to point out here is that in that section there, that's the provisioning for the where they'll come out with newer versions of of the COVID pass or different types so for example in Europe the type is health cert as opposed to public COVID pass 
it's called a health cert and the information is a little bit different but the mechanism here will be identical so the the systems that we set up to use this are going to be going to be reusable and we'll be able to introduce new new credentials that can be verified and new people new authorities to approve them as they come out so this is this is quite a, a, an elegant structure that will enable us to work with that without having to integrate with every every system health system in the world to to confirm people so i just wanted to highlight that and i suppose also something just as a as a heads up I mean, this is the the COVID pass to use for to allow me to get access to things in new zealand you can on the my covid um record also request a passport to travel internationally the passport you get will only work in the eu it won't actually uh, work in australia or america or other places you will have to get a pass that will be validated there as well you know so there are still some things to be worked out internationally but that'll take a bit of time could we go to the next slide please sean actually just jumped two on because uh, i think the next slide you'll get is the is a demo slide and then i'd like to go to the 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 last slide yep absolutely martin give me just one second thank you so what i'd like to talk about is what we've what we've uh, talked about is you know how you can verify this pass you can verify it using the the government app and that will work you can verify it using you know potentially what i showed there you know a system you know through a browser through a phone you know integrated with your systems or you could use this this is just another approach you know that you could use and here what i'm doing is on in the browser i'm just scanning the qr code and then when i've got the, that as a string i'm just sending it to an api now this API happens to be a public API set up by Matter, which is the company that actually is producing and doing the work and producing this uh, digital cert for the Ministry of Health. They've also produced a number of public APIs which you can uh, subscribe to and you can use on a pay-as-you-go basis. So here they would verify, you know, the the string that I've sent them, and they would send me back a boolean, true or false, whether this is a valid, whether it's a valid digital pass or not. Now, again, you know, it's slightly different uh, way of doing it. Here I'm trusting Matter to do this for me, which I suppose is a great thing to do because they're the ones that produce the pass. If they're giving a, a true or false, I can know it's pretty good. But I am coupling myself to their system. So if, if they're overloaded or having an issue, then, you know, that's something I have to take into account. But as a, as a possible integration, it's another way to go. And then if we look down in the bottom boxes, what I'm trying to show here is that what we can now do after we verified the pass, after we've got the name, the date of birth, is that now we can link in with the other systems. So I think one of the main things for this is, you know, for large events, for hospitality, for restaurants, for retail, for gyms, you know, so one thing that we could do for the customer journey is to try and make it easier. One thing that we're doing, we're working with a company in New Zealand, which runs, you know, a SaaS gym management system where we're looking at verifying the customer once, either at the first time they come into the gym or offline, so that then they can then just use their access control card to get in and out of the gym. They don't have to keep producing a digital pass every time they come into the gym. The only onus on the, on the system is to remember when that pass expires so we can then ask them for the next one and validate that. There's other potential use cases maybe for uh, holiday homes. You know, maybe somebody would like to see uh, a digital pass before they allow them into their batch. Maybe there's a, a use case along the lines of uh, ticketing systems, you know, for large events, where we could validate, you know, during the purchase of the ticket, 
so that we don't have to, you know, validate 10 or 10, 20,000 people again when they come in the gate. But what we're trying to do is, is really just, you know, open up some ideas and there's some thoughts about different ways that you can integrate with this. And, you know, and hopefully just, you know, make it actually seem less mysterious and hopefully more straightforward. You know, and you can just start to think about, you know, the customer journey that you want, you know, for your business and that works for you, you know, and get that right for your customer. That's about it for me. I don't really want to keep talking just for the sake of it. So what I'd like to do is maybe hand this back to, to Sean and Roger and see if there's uh, any questions or anything that we want to cover. Yeah, absolutely, Martin. So if you've dropped questions in the, the chat, I will try and cover them off. If you don't want to ask in chat, put Roger and Martin's email addresses up on the screen. You're more than welcome to reach out to them. We, we do have two questions and a couple questions from the Tuesday event that I'll pass on. The first one, Roger, I think it's for you. It's from Stu. From a call the other day, I understand the current issue is a, there may be a legal ability to use the info that's shared within the QR code. Okay, so so those are important questions. When any time they're showing this, what what it looks like, and I'm going to interpret what I think the Ministry of Health is trying to achieve here, which is their their greatest sensitivity here is about keeping your health information private, and they've absolutely respected that, and that there is no health information contained in the pass. It is simply a verification that the pass is valid. It doesn't say how you got it, when you got the shots, any of that information. So all it is doing is verifying that this is a credential that the, health, the Ministry of Health has issued. The personal identification information on that is necessary in order to link that to the person holding the pass. Now, that is going to be a question for the businesses and the context in which it gets used. If you are a business where it is um, highly important that you're able to verify that the person presenting the pass is that person, for example, in a hospital, you might want to take that very seriously. In other situations, if it is, say, um, checking into a public event at a beach and, they, and there's a higher level of trust that they want to assume, they may not want to see that personal information. That's up to the organizer and the traffic light system that is in, fact, in effect at the time and how seriously people are taking those, those health responsibilities. So I wouldn't get too hung up on that. That's a conversation for a different avenue. We're here for the tech and to make systems work. But if you, if you want to dive into that, you need to look at health and safety regulations and, and seek some legal advice on that. But that's, that's my understanding of the, of the situation. Yeah. We have a little bit of a follow-up question, and, and Martin, I don't know that we're going to have an answer to this question, but the question is about the release of the New Zealand Pass Verifier app from the Ministry of Health. I don't think it has any connection with the legal issues or anything else. I think it's just an application rollout, but I don't think we have much information yet about when that release date is or what's driving it, do we? Um, yeah, we wouldn't be allowed to talk about it anyway, right? You know, it's not really our business to, to, to say anything about that, but... It looks pretty good, you know. It's, it's you know, it's a very slick app. You know, I don't think, uh, you know, I don't see any problems with it. It looks really good. Yeah, we do have a. Sorry, can I just expand a little bit on that? As as you saw today, Verify the Verifier app, which is I understand it's going to be a mobile device one, is going to be fantastic for people in the field, and who need to do things offline. As you can see today, we're able to throw together solutions that can integrate and do verification now. 
So the verifier, the absence of the verifier app does not prevent us from making progress on some of these things. Yeah. The, Roger, to the, the earlier question, there's a was a follow-on question about do, do those secondary ID records need to be kept by the application developer? So if they're writing an application to do the verification, do they then need to also keep the secondary record? And I think you kind of covered that off with that they need to review the health and safety requirements for those. So, those yeah, so, so again, this is where the reason I mentioned that we're in this transition phase, one of the consequences of being in transition stage is that things morph and change all the time, depending on how serious the different variants are that we have to deal with. So you'll find the government probably um, keeping keeping a few cards up their sleeve, ready to, to move and change as they need to. For example, this could be integrated into contact tracing or visitor management things like that. So you would naturally be keeping personal information anyway. Um, in other situations where it's just not relevant and it's better for the customer experience, not necessarily, you might just decide to verify the pass and skip over that step. That, that's really up to businesses and the situations and environments we find ourselves in. And if you look at the DIA identity framework, which is around this, they talk about confidence levels. And to get to confidence level three, you have to have done either a real me verification or an in-person identification. You know, if you've done that in-person identification, you can prove that you have, and you don't have to store any, you know, any, any information. But it really depends, I think, you know, on how well you know your customer right now, you know, and, you know, what can you rely on, you know, as, a, as proof of their identity. We, we do have a couple of questions from Tuesday. And I'll give you a chance to to answer some of these. I don't think they'll change from Tuesday for anybody that uh, heard them then. But is Air New Zealand integrating with this app soon? Do we know uh, of any other industry partners that are looking at the app? Yeah. So Air New Zealand are talking directly to to MB and MOH and the agencies directly, and they're doing it directly with them. So and they're gonna, you know, I think you know for transport like buses, trains, and and planes, there's going to be I don't think the the pass is actually going to be mandated. It's going to be more COVID testing, I think, and mask wearing and so on. But I think for travel and transport, it's slightly different. Martin, there was a there was a question on Tuesday, and I thought you were you were actually going to roll this out in your presentation. But is the code that you demonstrated today is is to read the pass and the API to verify the pass? Is that freely available? We haven't yet put it on GitHub, but we do plan to. You know, there's no secrets in this code. It's just following the standards that are freely published by MOH. So yeah, we do plan to publish it to the attendees. So you're all, you will get this and we'll, we'll publish it on GitHub so you can get hold of it. And so the last question from Tuesday, and I don't know that we have a good answer for it, but I'll go ahead and put it out there. Do we see these APIs being developed and exposed to bring facial recognition into play? And Roger, I think you had a comment on this on Tuesday. So there's there's sort of two two parts to that. So these these specific ones do not deal with that aspect. Uh, that is, there's two parts to this. One is the verifiable credential, and the other one is proving identity. So these are two different, very important parts. The the exciting part for me with the facial recognition or the biometrics associated with a credential is it enables something called pseudonymous identity. So by saying that this face has a valid pass, I don't need to be personally identified. 
So for things, for example, if you can imagine entering a concert or, or some sort of public event, you don't need to be presenting your name and your address or, or your date of birth. That's not, that's not useful information for any other reason. But being able to hold up the pass, have it scanned, have your face compared to that there, either, either by a person or by, by camera, you can see how that could be really, really effective because there is no personally identifying information. There's just attributes about you. So the biometrics combined with that is opening up all sorts of possibilities. At the same time, there is a, a concern that people have about that level of information about you identified information about you getting into the digital realm so that really again i'm going to say it comes back to businesses how they want to operate and the level of comfort and, and the customer experience that they're trying they're trying to achieve there yep. so there's, there's there's a lot of good and a lot of things to, to manage there in terms of in terms of biometrics but it's it's a, it's a very interesting space nothing here is preventing it some of the the advances with facial recognition in particular is proving quite effective at managing this for example smart gates at the airport and things like that it's 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 useful technology if used well well um, all really exciting stuff roger I'll, I'll hand back over to you to close off the call we really appreciate you everyone joining roger okay yes um thank you everyone i hope that was a that was a useful session for you like like um, Sean was saying, you had our contact details for, for Martin and I. If you have any questions, please reach out to us. Um, otherwise, I hope you found that useful. And uh, thank you for joining us today. Cheers. Thank you very much for your time. All right. Thank you.